Hello, and welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. Each episode, we talk about a particular topic in the life of a professor. We are tenure-track faculty members in the sciences, working at a primarily undergraduate university in California. The purpose of our podcast is reflection, so we bring something we think is working and something we're working on to discuss. Hello, and welcome to the Professor Podcast. My name's Blaze. And I'm Claire. And today we're talking about collaboration. But first, Blaze, how was your week? My week was good. Uh, I Careful listeners might remember that I moved my turtle inside recently. And since I've been on a kick of learning about fish keeping and aquarium keeping, and um, this weekend I got to go visit a real aquarium down in Chicago. Ooh. And... Wow, is that a whole nother level? Uh, but <laughs> it makes me want to keep an aquarium even more. So I've been indulging that side passion. That fun. sounds great. How was your week? My week was good. I've been thinking about reinvigorating essentialism and a particular <laughs> moment. <laughs> I'm always into essentialism, right? Yeah. But I, I just got an email last week saying, oh, is anyone in the department interested in joining the scholarship committee where we choose, you know, who gets the different scholarships our department offers? And I was like, oh, that's a nice thing. I am interested in that. But then when I thought about it more, I was like, but I'm also feeling like I have too many other things going on. So anyway, I was like, no, remember essentialism. So I did not reply to the scholarship committee email. Um, yes. So that was good. Yeah. <laughs> That is good. Um, it's, it's so hard to zoom out and view those emails in light of how you felt 10 minutes before opening the email. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it could be that you want to do that email more than something else you're doing and you could swap it around, but just remembering yeah, exactly that maybe I already had plenty of things and don't need another thing. I feel like I would like a, a feature in my email client where whenever I clicked reply, I just had to click through a little message that reminded me, <laughs> you have 25 unread emails. I can keep that in mind as I'm replying to this particular email <laughs> that is suggesting I participate in some wonderful uh, activity. <laughs> just a nice little yeah. reminder of the context. Um, I like that. That's a fun idea. Yeah, so I believe you have a quote today. I do. So I got this quote from the book, Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo, but it's actually a quote that she quoted someone else, Erica Jong. Wow. And the quote is, I know. <laughs> uh, and the quote is related to essentialism for me. So it's, you take your life in your own hands and what happens? A terrible thing. No one to blame. So just a reminder, I mean, this is the oh. context of it's scary to make your own decisions because then you can't blame anyone else for your own decisions. But We've got to get past that and be essentialist. <laughs> um, that's such a... Per no one to blame is uh, exactly the content of my working on for collaboration today. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, but I guess that's getting ahead of it. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, let's talk what, about collaboration. What's Go working ahead. for you for collaboration? For me. So let's see. I really like... So I'm at a primarily undergraduate institution, and I've had a lot of positive collaborations with an R1 faculty member and kind of coming up with something where we're doing that 
something together. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that works really well. Having those kind of collaborations in the proposal, I think, really makes it a strong proposal. And then I also think it just really strengthens the project, you know? Mm -hmm. So usually it's like a big project, and I'm doing a small piece of it, but my students get to be involved in this big project. And then also the undergrads get to have a big contribution from my lab, and I think that can really add to you know, the broader impacts of the project to have all these mm. undergrads involved. And so one thing that we've done that I think has been really cool is having a student exchange between our research groups. So I'll send an undergrad to my collaborator's lab for a week, and then they'll send, so far it's been a grad student, um, the one time in the past and the one time that we're planning upcoming, uh, and the grad student will spend a week in my lab. And so, you know, we're exchanging experiences in terms of analytical methods, and so that's kind of what we're doing is exchanging analytical methods, but we're also exchanging experiences of different kinds of universities. And um, I think it's been meaningful for my undergraduates to see, wow, there's so much research going on at this other university. It's such a big, I don't know, force. And then it's also been cool for the grad student who came to my lab to see, you know, maybe he wants to go into a teaching-focused university, or at least he has a better idea how that works and that you can still do research at a teaching, you know, it's just it's it's just a good experience for both those students. So I found that to be um, pretty cool to to think about collaborations between those different kinds of universities. Yeah, so I like the way that you couch it as you know an exchange and highlighting each of the strengths of those two mm -hmm. different positions because I think from the outside at least it's so easy to uh be negative about it and imagine that you're just oh gosh this is so negative but like some sort of <laughs> parasite or benefiting right. from the research prowess of this mm -hmm. larger institution mm -hmm. and the people who work there um mm -hmm. but in fact uh, you mentioned the the way that you can provide a broader impact and you can yes. provide a perspective for the career goals of the graduate students working in that lab. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 On the, the, the one time that I submitted a collaborative proposal, um, all the reviews talked about how the, the PUI's broader impacts contributions were really mm -hmm. added to the proposal. So I do feel like that helps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think that's cool. And, you know, of course, obviously at the R1 universities, they have tons of undergrads that they can mm -hmm. use to mm -hmm. involve in the projects too. But I think it's cool to have the, the different perspective of the different universities and to mm -hmm. get our undergraduates intermingling with their undergraduates and mm -hmm. sharing their experiences. And so that's been kind of cool. Like one time we went to see with one of my undergraduates and one of my collaborators undergraduates and, you know, they're both undergraduates on this research cruise, but they're from different experiences in their own undergraduate environments. And so that was kind of cool to see that exchange of experiences between them. Awesome. Yeah. So what about you? What's working for you? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's kind of similar. I wrote down specialization. So okay. um, I'm not faculty, obviously, and I am in like a support role technically. Um, but I do work with 
researchers on a lot of their projects. And what I bring to that is this ability to design and produce custom hardware and software instrumentation. And I think what's been really productive in the collaborations I've had is just the meeting of these two very different skill sets. Uh, it's exciting, I think, for both sides of the collaboration to come together and for me to be able to uh, learn about this new domain of chemical research and to, for them to be able to maybe for the first time, like imagine what might be possible for them with custom instrumentation. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's fun because we come at it from such different angles. And a lot of the time it's like a brand new interface that hasn't really been explored very much. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, I'm really enjoying that part of it. And also as the collaboration proceeds, I'm enjoying that um, at least in the production of the instrument and such and testing and there's like a clear division of labor because mm -hmm. the specialties are so clear. We are very oh, different sense. people coming at it from a very different background. I have uh, l very little ability to carry out their chemistry and they have very little ability to carry out my side of the project. Um, so yeah, I think specialization has been a benefit for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really cool. And that's interesting because one of the things that I'm working on is divvying up tasks. Yeah. And so you're talking about the specialization kind of clears that up. That makes a lot of sense. I, I really like that. Yeah, I think clearly there are some natural advantages I have in that category. But mm -hmm. nonetheless, I think it's it's useful to think about if if you can even perhaps semi-artificially choose to specialize in different parts of it. The mm -hmm. other thing is mm -hmm. um, I've worked with people from really out of left field, you know, mm -hmm. uh, botanists. Um, you know, chemists doing work that is really not traditionally thought of as instrumentation heavy. Mm -hmm. And uh, in some ways I have felt that that's an even easier collaboration, uh, perhaps because that specialization dimension is even, even sharper relief. So I would encourage you, Claire, and I guess listeners to think about that as well. Like what totally out of your comfort zone person might you mm -hmm. develop a collaboration with? Mm -hmm. um, it might even be easier and than uh, collaborating with someone who's very similar to yourself. That makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting. And it, so what if, 
I, I, I want to get to the, the different specializations in something I'm working on and kind of loop back to that. But yeah. first I want to ask you, what if you are working in a similar expertise? Would you recommend um, divvying up like explicitly you're working Gosh. on this and I'm working on this? Have you done that or, or is that totally different? Um, I don't think I have a lot of experience with that myself. I think my intuition from uh, experiences I've had in delegating work mm -hmm. um, in the shop has been that, yes, it is better to have clear delineations in mm -hmm. responsibility with, because to me that gets back to ownership, mm -hmm. which is such a huge um, theme of what I think brings about excellent work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's not exactly clear. Um, you know, the value that runs counter to that advice, I think is the value of um, very detailed mentorship and co-learning that comes from really uh, having two or more brains that fight over the details of a project for a mm -hmm. long time. And I've, I've had projects like that as well as a graduate student, and those were also very... Uh, productive environments where I learned quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's definitely worth thinking about and being explicit about. How about that mm -hmm. as concrete takeaways? I think there are advantages and disadvantages to any approach. The worst thing is just to say, here's a bucket of work and here's a bucket of people and let's <laughs> not think or talk about who's going to do what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. Lots of misunderstandings are going to come from that probably. Um, so, so, okay. So my working on is divvying up tasks and, and I want to start by kind of threading into what you were talking about, about specialization. So, um, divvying up tasks in general, I think is a challenge, but one of the things that I was thinking about in particular was, um, I recently had this, this collaboration with another member of my department and we thought this would be really cool we would come up with some intersection of our different specialties and do a project on it and I, mm. I was it was really kind of fun to sit down and say okay this person's expertise my expertise where mm. could we do something and I'm super into what we're doing the problem that I'm having is that most of it the application is in my expertise and the actual work is in his expertise. Mm -hmm. So, so far, he's been doing most of the work or his students and, and him leading his students have been doing most of the work. And so I'm sitting here feeling um, like maybe I'm not doing enough, but right now we're at the stage of the project where it's his expertise and he's doing it. And, I, and what I'm expecting will happen is at some point we'll be done with that It's and then I will add it into a paper and we'll all be authors on it and I'll lead the writing and the interpretation side of it. So I feel like that's what we're doing. And probably the problem is just that we haven't been super explicit that 
that's where my contribution will come in. I had the idea of why this would be worth doing. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm just waiting while he's doing it. And I feel a little bit bad about that. So maybe I just need to be a little bit more explicit and have a nice conversation. Like, uh, I don't know exactly what yeah. the, but just that I, I, you know, and we have talked about how we're going to write a paper. It's going to fit into this thing that I'm doing. And once we get there, we'll, we'll get there. But I just feel a little bit, um, I don't want to just be mooching on this other faculty member's expertise, you know, but we did get together and come up with this plan. And so I don't know. What do you think about that? I, uh, I am forever in the position of your collaborator, Claire, the, uh, (laughs) the person who, uh, needs to do most of the initial work in Mm -hmm. bringing a kernel of an idea into something that can start to grow legs and be an actual collaboration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's just a very natural thing that happens in a lot of projects, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The the worry I would have is just that goals can get, you can lose sight of goals Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over uh, incredibly short time scales. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, depending on the complexity of a project, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we so, wouldn't want to go down a whole bunch of rabbit holes yes. on his time yes. that aren't going to go anywhere. Yes. So maybe my role, in addition to having explicit conversations, is to make sure that we are remaining on the pathway towards yes. the product that will lead to a paper where everyone will benefit. Um, an idea that comes out of, uh, at least I first heard it in the context of the software development world, is scope creep Mm -hmm. and that can happen when the team that's doing the implementation is um, not very communicative with the team that is asking for features or thinking Mm -hmm. about what would be nice Mm -hmm. and uh, projects can get caught in this, um, you know, this, this pattern of trying to implement misguided features, mm-hmm. which are casually asked for and right. implemented through uh, very much blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the asker might not know no, which requests asker has have no blood, sweat, idea. and tears and which ones are the flip of a switch. So... Uh, so I guess I would just be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. I guess the other random thought I would have of something that would be useful for you is, um, Try to be as uh, good at you 
good as you can in directing the project towards a minimum viable, mm, useful yes. piece. That makes sense. Um, Bells and whistles could be potential add-ons, but we need yes. to have minimum viable functionality. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or the minimum thing that you actually need to prove your point in the paper or whatever yes. it might be. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. if it doesn't address the piece that you think is most interesting mm-hmm. from your... Um, your insight into the scientific questions, mm-hmm. uh, anything that counts as useful or even anything that can be tested mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is, is maybe a more appropriate way to think about it. So. Yeah, kind of like there's always progress, but we're trying to like get to one of the stepping stones of progress where we actually have something yeah. that we can yeah. take away from this experience. Yeah. And um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that, those, those are really bunch of random thoughts. <laughs> I like them all. That's very helpful. And it makes sense that as being in the electronics shop, you would have a lot of experiences being in that position and so have some insights about how best to yes. make that easier. Yes. More effective. Um, so what are you working on? So I'm working on the... Um, finishing up of projects... Oh, yes. And <laughs> that is tough. The uh-huh. diffusion of responsibility that can occur at that stage. Mm. It's like, I feel like my beautiful story about specialization and clear roles uh, and intentionality all gets muddy. I I mean, frankly, the moment where it gets muddy is when the thing works, we like it, we think it's publishable, and now somebody is writing a paper. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, Yes, yes. And, yeah, it's, I feel like What I have come to believe is that papers never get written unless there's at least one person for whom that paper is their primary responsibility, Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. focus. And if there are, you you can have 20 people who are ostensibly involved in writing a paper, but if all of them have it on their to-do list as number three <laughs> or number five, you know, their tertiary responsibility, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it just doesn't happen. And I don't know what it is mm-hmm. about that stage of the process. Maybe it's systematically underestimating how much work it's going to be mm-hmm. or something like that. But I got to say... Um, I have a lot of projects that are stymied at that stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I just, 
I'm not sure what to do next. Now, at that stage, so I have a lot of papers that stall at a similar place, but I wonder if it's quite the same place. Uh Mine stall when we have all the data, we have some thoughts, but not really enough for a paper. And so either we're going to have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out enough for a paper, or we'll do something else. So are yours at that kind of analogous stage or are they it, it's kind of sounded like they might be further along i i would we know what we want to say in the, the the pretense of the way you're couching it because mm-hmm. i think the stage that i get stuck at is the stage where many people think it's enough and other mm. people just haven't really thought about it or they would love to see a little bit more mm-hmm. and it's just not quite I guess the point I can agree with you on is it's at the stage where collaborators have not yet agreed mm-hmm. on exactly what the scope of the paper is. Yes, that makes sense. That or makes not sense. everyone is happy with the proposed scope mm-hmm. or the proposed story. And so I think... Maybe that's why it's staying at number three and not ever moving up to mm-hmm. number one on these people's to-do list. Because it's not actually, if it was, here's the story, here's yeah. the main figure, somebody blast this paper out, there would be volunteers. Yeah. But when it's at the stage of, we're not really quite sure what this paper is going to be, we have to figure that out first. Yeah. That's a different it, problem. I think it can, maybe in a way, it's the dark side of the specialization advantage Mm-hmm. It's it's that uh, perhaps a reason I I find it commonly hard to agree on the scope is because each of us is making a contribution that we are judging in the light of our own specialization. And um, colleagues from our specialty that we would imagine reading the paper and are failing to properly appreciate the advantages or what it would look like to our collaborators' colleagues. Right, right. Exactly Um, so. So it's the contribution is not merely all these little pieces. It's that they're integrated. Yeah. Um, hmm. I wonder then... It seems to me like something to to work on might be instead of having it be on people's to-do lists as write the paper, have it be more like the the problem that we're working on is decide on the scope of the paper. Mm-hmm. And once we do that, if we can if we can agree on the main <laughs> messages, <laughs> you know, then it might fall I, together I, a little easier. I'm uh chuckling because it reminds me of some of the experiences I've had with like brand new undergrads mm-hmm. who come in and they know they're stuck on a project, but they they can't see what they're stuck on. Mm. They can't even express it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, as someone who has seen and participated in the writing of a hundred I don't know, hundreds of lab reports, it's obvious what you're stuck on, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you think you're stuck on, I don't know how to write a paragraph, but you're actually stuck on, 
I don't know how this experiment sticks together into a storyline or how to think about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, we are sitting here writing actual scientific papers doing the same thing, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're stuck on writing a paper, but you I, really haven't even gotten, yeah. I, we have, I've, I've had these conversations where it really seems like we have a productive meeting about the paper and we agree <laughs> and we're enthusiastic about going off to write it, but then we don't write it. And I think it's because when we sit down we try to solve problems like finding a citation or polishing a figure. Mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. find that very unproductive mm-hmm. because it's unclear what we're doing in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I think so. There's questions to answer before getting to writing the paper, that polishing yeah, the figure or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Maybe this is like the the scariest proposal in the context of at least my experience uh, being involved in collaborations, but maybe the key is to have more high bandwidth in person or you know zoom mm. whatever meetings at that stage because I feel like in my experience, so often what that stage looks like is it's like someone sends out an email and it's like, wow, that went well. Let's write a paper on about it. <laughs> and they just expect somehow that the people who have been copied on that email, someone will respond with a draft that they <laughs> like, even though they don't have an idea that's concrete in their head about what that draft would be. Uh-huh. I don't know. No, it's it's very true. I, I and I mean I feel the same way. Is that related? I almost feel the same way about myself. You know, yeah. I'll be like, okay, well, here's the data. Here's some ideas. Yeah. So I'll open a document and start writing a paper, and then I'm like, wait a minute, what am I saying? So, yeah. 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 I think maybe we do need to remember that there's some extra steps that maybe we're trying to skip over, but if we don't skip over them, yeah, it might be actually more effective. Yeah. I think I That's have really some um, some projects that I need to stop myself from opening all the documents, and I just need to get out a pen and paper and try to make mm. an outline. I love that <laughs> idea. That's that's exactly so. We're not tweaking figures. We yeah. are. What is the over- outline of this paper? Yeah. yeah, I love it. And I also love your insight about the analogy that we are like the undergraduates that don't know where we're stuck on in this particular lab report, but we're, we're just in a, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. So why is it so hard to decide how to design this figure? It's because you're trying to uh, build that design off of, on top of a narrative that doesn't yet exist. Mm-hmm. Exactly so. Well, I've been, uh, I've, I've felt motivated by this conversation. Me too. Thank you, Blake. To check in, maybe, because <laughs> I don't. I'm not too optimistic that it'll be a night and day transition. But no, no. But it's, one of it's those one of things, things to got to reflect on. Yeah, yeah, keep working on. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thanks, Claire. Thank you, Blake.
Thanks so much for joining us on the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. We're delighted to have you as a listener and we would love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, our address is contactprofessorpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any of your suggestions for future shows or professor quotes that you might want to share with us, or even just things that have come up for you when you were listening to previous episodes. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would spread the word. So the best way to spread word is by telling people you know, if you think they should listen to it, or you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.